You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Revelation 12 in your Bibles, and while, we're, while you're turning there or getting your place marked there, I have one thing I want to say just as a, uh, just specifically to the folks here, but probably even more so to the folks who are listening online. Many of our shut-ins, uh, that's our ministry of the week is our shut-ins. Many of our shut-ins listen uh, on the radio uh, every service. Uh, and those that are high-tech, they listen on uh, Facebook or listen on the website and watch the service. Now, I've been to some of our, our shut-ins and they've showed me that they've got this big screen TV and they know how to pull up the service on that big screen TV. And I thank the Lord for that technology. Um, and by the way, if you've got the big screen TV, I'm sorry if I'm blinding you with the light shining on my forehead. Um, but I was two weeks ago. You remember two weeks ago on Wednesday night, we had, there was a, we had a lot of guests here to watch the baptism for um, Kenzie and uh, Paxton that got baptized. And I, after the service, I went down and I didn't know a lot of the family, but I was talking to some of them. I met a dear lady and she said, she, says, I've never, she said, I've never been to this church. She said, but I've heard about this church. And right away I thought, oh no, what does that mean, you know? And she said, I, she said, I live out in, she said either um, Scotland Neck or Rich Square. I forget which one she said she lived in. But she said, I, I used to work at a, a nursing home in Rich Square. She said, one of your members was, was at that nursing home. She said, and he was always talking about the Lord. He was always talking about this church and how much he loved this church. And I told her, I said, you don't have to tell me his name. I said, I'll tell you who it is. It was Warren Bryant. Y'all remember Brother Warren? And, and by the way, Warren Bryant, he was a witness before he was in the nursing home. He'd come, he'd come by the church, he'd get stacks of tracks, and he'd pass them out everywhere. Uh, I think especially if you've ever been out Rich Square, Scotland Neck, Jackson, out Ahoski, that area, and you found a gospel track, it may have been from, uh, from Warren Bryant. He was passing them out everywhere. But you know what? I thought about that. I thought here was a man who was in a nursing home. But here's a lady who heard about God and heard about the gospel and heard about church because there was a man even in that nursing home that was still witnessing. And I want to say to our shut-ins, don't ever underestimate uh, the, the way that God can use you to the people you come in contact with. It may be somebody that comes by the house. It may be a delivery person. It may be a healthcare worker. You never know. And by the way, let's take that a step further to all of us. You never know who you could reach. You never know who you could witness to. You never know the impact you could have. Not because of you, not because of me, but because of the power of the gospel. And there is power in the word of God. And so I hope that will encourage you. But uh, that, that blessed my heart two weeks ago on that Wednesday to talk to that dear lady and to hear that testimony uh, from one of our faithful men that we, we certainly miss. And we thank the Lord for Brother Warren Bryant who is in heaven. Revelation 12 in your Bibles, we started this last week and I didn't I got about halfway done so I'm gonna to try to finish it up tonight we saw last week in Revelation 12 that good things number one good things can come through difficult times 
Notice in chapter 12 and verse number one, the Bible says there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head, a crown of 12, of 12 stars. This woman represents the nation of Israel. And so this woman, the Bible describes, it says in verse two that she is with child and she cried travailing in birth and pained to be delivered. Well, yes, I know Mary was the mother of Jesus. I understand that. But Jesus, the promised Messiah, he came from the nation of Israel. And during the time that Jesus was born, the nation of Israel was in a mess. They were under the rule of the Romans. Remember uh, Herod and his decree to have the babies killed and they were under oppression. It was a difficult time. And so the woman is a picture of Israel. The child that was born, the, the man child is none other than Jesus Christ. But then in verse three, we see another sign, another symbol. And it says, there was behold a great red dragon. And who is the dragon? That's Satan. That's the old devil. And the Bible says that that dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads, uh, very almost identical to the description that is given in the book of Daniel about the, the Antichrist who will be empowered by Satan and, and how he will come from the revived Roman Empire and how there will be ten kings and there will be ten nations and all of those things we see right there in verse 3. In verse 4, his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. He did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. We said number two last week, Satan wants to destroy you at the beginning. Satan wants to destroy you at the start. You make a decision for God, Satan's going to try to destroy you right off the, right off the starting block. He is out to destroy you. He wants to destroy a marriage. He wants to destroy a family. He wants to destroy a young person. He wants to destroy a decision you've made. He wants to destroy a ministry that you're involved in. He wants to destroy anything he can. And the sooner he can destroy it, the better it is. He was trying to destroy uh, Jesus from the very beginning at his birth. Remember we said at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, uh, Jesus was in the wilderness and he, was, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights and then he was tempted of the devil. Satan tried to destroy the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad he was not successful. I'm glad that Jesus Christ overcame him uh, by saying, as it is written, the power that Jesus used was the same power that we have available tonight, the power of the word of God. But we saw that last week. Number three, we saw last week that God provides an escape. He provides a place of safety. And uh, let me see what verse we're in here. It says in verse number um, four, and uh, his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. We talked about the, the angels that, that fell or that were kicked out of heaven uh, with Satan. And then let me see what verse we're on. Verse number six it says, And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God. Isn't it good to know when you go through a storm or you go through a trial that God's already got a place prepared for you. He's already got a place where you can be safe. He's already got a place of refuge. And I'm thankful for that, number three. Number four, we said last week that we are in a spiritual battle. The Bible says in verse number seven that there was war in heaven. 
Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and, and his angels, and, and the dragon and his angels prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. Now that old devil, he loses the battle in heaven. He tries to wage war with heaven and the devil is defeated and he is kicked out of heaven, but he is not yet cast into a lake of fire. He's kicked out of heaven and he comes down to the earth. And that is the, the, the setting. That is where we're at now with the second half of the tribulation period. Notice it with me, if you would, in verse number nine. It says, and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil. Do you know what the devil, do you know what that name means? I, I've, I, we use it so often. But the name devil literally means a false accuser. That's what the devil is. He is the accuser of the brethren. We'll see that in this passage in uh, verse number, uh, what verse is it here? I'll find it here in a minute. Verse number 10, uh, verse number 10. It says, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. But verse number nine, it says, he is the old serpent. He is the great dragon. He is the devil and he is Satan. The name Satan means adversary. And I want to remind you tonight that we have an adversary. We have an enemy. Satan is not your friend. Satan is not your pal. Satan is not your buddy. Satan is not going to play fair. Satan is not going to do anything to help you. He wants to destroy you. And we see the names of Satan. It says in verse number nine, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him. Hallelujah for this. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Father, please speak to us these few moments. Help us not to miss what you have for us. Help me to be very clear and help me to deliver this message in such a way that it could be received. But Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you would uh, even take my shortcomings and take my inability, and I pray that you would do what I cannot do. And I pray that you would speak to hearts and change lives and give us a, a power and a boldness and a confidence tonight to leave this place knowing that we can have victory over that old devil. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Number five, as we continue in Revelation 12, number five, I want you to see in this passage that Satan wants to deceive you and accuse you. The Bible says that he is the deceiver of the whole world. Now, Satan is not just a wannabe. Satan is an expert. Satan is so good at deception. Uh, I, I remember as a boy, I remember uh, being intrigued with magicians. And I'm not talking about, you know, this weird weird spooky stuff but you know I thought that was kind of cool how they could uh, they could do these illusions or they could do these tricks well you know really what a lot of that is is it's 
causing you to look one way when something's going on over here, or it's causing you to think something is happening that is actually not, but it is really, it's deception. And Satan is not a beginner. He is not an amateur. You're not smarter than Satan. Satan will deceive you. Have you ever been to these, uh, uh, these, these tourist places? I, they're not, it's not legal, uh, but they'll have these, these people that'll, that'll be out there and they'll have these cups. And they'll put a ball or put something underneath the cup and they'll, they'll, they'll say, you know, give me, give me, you know, five bucks or whatever. If you guess it right, I'll give you 10 or whatever. They used to do that in San Francisco. I was there one time, Brother Dan, I don't know if you were there, but I was there in San Francisco once on a college activity. And there was a college kid who he thought he could get this guy. He thought he was going to win. He thought he was going to win the money. All it is is glorified gambling, folks, okay? As a matter of fact, all it is is throwing your money away. Because I watched this guy, and, and I watched, and I thought, this, this, this college student has no idea that this guy has done this a thousand times, and he is not going to lose money. And he was moving all these cups around, and the college guy pointed at it, like, oh, no, and he lost his money. And this college guy didn't have money to give away, you know, but he kept losing it. And he didn't realize that he was being deceived. Uh, he was being manipulated. He was being taken for a ride. Friends, that's what Satan is doing to a lot of Christians today. You think you've got it under control. You think you can play with sin. You think that you can get away with it. You think that you've got control. Friend, you don't have control. Satan is real. And he is a deceiver. He is a liar. But not only is he a deceiver, the Bible tells us that he is an accuser. I want you to hold your place in Revelation 12. And would you turn with me, please, to the book of Job. Job is the oldest book in the Bible. Now, you say, well, how is that possible? Well, chronologically, the story of Job would happen probably somewhere around the time of Abraham. So I know Genesis 1 starts with creation and all that, but chronologically, Job would be about the oldest one single book in the Bible. And guess what Satan was doing in Job chapter 1? He was accusing. You know why he was accusing? Because that's what he does. And that's who he is. He is the accuser of the brethren. Notice Job chapter 1, verse number 6. It says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. So here we talked about this last week, but Satan has access to heaven. God's not afraid of Satan, God's not intimidated, God's not nervous. And in Job chapter 1, Satan literally had the opportunity to come before God and to present a case. And here's what he says in verse number 7. The Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. Now that is true, but Satan didn't tell the whole story. 1 Peter 5, 8 tells the whole story. That's where the Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And so Satan just tells the Lord, I was just walking around. I was just checking things out. What he didn't say was he was trying to destroy. He was trying to devour. But verse number 8, the Lord said unto Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job? 
that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, and one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? He said, God, are you kidding me? You think that Job is serving you because he really loves you? Oh, no, he doesn't love you. He just loves all the stuff you've given him. You take away all that stuff and Job will curse you. You know what God did? God gave Satan permission to take away all of Job's stuff. And by the way, Satan did in one day. He took away all of his possessions. Job's children were killed. His livestock, uh, his barns came down. It, it was a disaster. One day he lost it all. We come to chapter 2 and verse number 1. Well, verse chapter 1, verse 22. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Chapter 2, verse 1, again there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said unto Satan, From whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil, and still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause? First of all, can you imagine God saying those things about you? God said about Job, he said, he fears me. He, he eschews, he, he hates evil. In all of this, he is still held on to his integrity, even though he has been destroyed without a cause. Verse 4, Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, and all that a man hath will he give for his life, but put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. And so verse 7, Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. And the rest of the book of Job is a look at his life and his heart and his conversations to see that in all of that, Job still stayed faithful to God. But you know how all this came about? Satan, he was looking for something in Job. He wanted to accuse Job. He wanted to say that Job really didn't love God. And by the way, that's what he wants to do to you. That's what he wants to do to me. He wants to accuse us before God. Now, I got good news for you. Satan is the accuser, but Jesus Christ is our advocate. You've got somebody that's in the courtroom who is standing there pointing the finger and accusing you, but you've got somebody who's standing up for you. And Jesus Christ, 1 John chapter 2, he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And we have in him an advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Aren't you glad you're not standing in court alone? Aren't you glad you're not standing there with that old devil pointing his finger at you? But you've got Jesus standing beside you and Jesus says, I've already paid for his sins. I've already paid for her sins. I've already covered those sins in my precious blood. And I want to tell you, yes, you have an accuser. But I'm glad that Jesus Christ has already paid the price for our sins. And our sins have been washed. Our sins have been forgiven. But we see that Satan loves to deceive. And he loves to accuse. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 12 and verse number uh, 10 that the accuser of the brethren is cast down. 
Now, that ought to make you shout right there. Just know that that old devil is finally getting what's coming to him. God says, I've had about enough of you, Satan. He says, get out of here and don't come back. And he was cast down to the ground, verse number um, uh, 9. In verse number 10, he is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. If Satan is accusing you day and night, I think you ought to be vigilant day and night. I think you ought to be reading the Bible every day and every night. I think you ought to be praying every day and every night because we're in a battle that is 24-7. We're in a battle that is going on. But verse number uh, 10 and then verse number 11, it says, And they overcame him with the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Number uh, six, I want you to see that victory comes through the blood of Jesus and by the word of your testimony. Victory does not come by your intellect. You say, I once read a good book on how to beat up the devil. Well, I got news for you. That book is not worth a thing. But this book is where your answer is found. And this book says you're going to overcome the devil by the blood of Jesus. We sing a lot of songs, don't we, about the blood. You know why? Because there's power in the blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. There's power in the blood of Jesus. And that is how Satan was overcome. That is how victory was won through the blood and by the word of their testimony. We'll see that in a minute. But I want you to also see in verse number 12, it says, And they loved not their lives unto the death. Now, I don't know if that could be said of you and me. Because if we're honest, we all, we love ourselves quite a bit. Most of us, we're willing to live for Jesus as long as it doesn't cost us too much. And if we start talking about maybe getting persecuted or if we start talking about having to suffer or sacrifice or if we start talking about death, then some of us back way, way off real quick. But can I tell you the, the goal for every Christian ought to be, I want to live for Jesus, whether it be by life or by death. I want my life to count for Christ, whether it means that I live for him or I die for him. Philippians 1.21, Paul said it like this, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Verse number 12, the Bible says, Therefore rejoice, ye heavens and ye that dwell in them, but woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. I'd like to say number seven, our time is short. Now, Satan's time is short. At this point, when he's kicked out of heaven, he's got three and a half years left before the battle of Armageddon. He's got three and a half years left uh, before his time is coming to a close. But I want to tell you this, even today, Satan knows he's got a short time. Satan is, is I believe, launching the fiery darts and Satan is on the attack and Satan is doing everything he can to destroy God's people. Satan has a short time. But friend, you and I, we don't have long either. Now, we've got all of eternity in heaven, but we don't have a lot of time left down here to live for God. Today, uh, February 22nd, would have been my dad's birthday. He passed away three days before his uh, 60th birthday. 
Uh, so he would have been 67 today. But you know, I, I remember when I was uh, in, in, in high school and maybe even in college, I remember when 59 or 60, I remember when that seemed like that was a long, long way away. It's not that far now. I'm 43. And can I tell you, I hope I have till 60 or 70 or 80 or 90. I hope I have that long, but I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. And neither are you. You see, the Bible says that our life is as a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then it vanisheth away. Life is so short. That's why Ephesians says we are to redeem the time. We're to, to, to buy up the time and make the time count because our days are so short. We see that Satan knows his time is short. The Bible says this also in verse number 12. It says that he hath great wrath. Now think about that. Did you know that if you are a person of great wrath, that is not a godly characteristic? That is a satanic characteristic. Now let's be honest. We all have a temper. There's no doubt about it. We all can get upset. But the Bible says this, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. You got to deal with that. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Don't let wrath control you. Don't let anger control you. So well, I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just mad at life, you know. Or I'm just mad at, I'm just mad at the state of our country. Or I'm just mad at politics. No, no, you can't even let that happen. Because you get mad at what's going on uh, in the economy. Or you get mad at what's going on in politics. Or if you get mad at what's going on in elections. If you're not careful, you'll let that carry over. And that will affect every area of your life. I'm not mad at Brother Askew. But if I'm so mad at life and I'm so mad at this, you know what's going to happen? I might lash out at him, and he didn't do anything. How come? Because I have let those things build up inside of me, and Satan has gotten a foothold in there, and Satan has allowed the anger, and I've allowed, not, it's not Satan's fault, but he's gotten him in there, and I've allowed those things to build up inside of me, and the next thing I know, I'm mad at the world. I'm mad at my coworkers, and I'm mad at my neighbors, and I'm mad at the person at Walmart, and I'm mad at the person at Foodline, and I'm mad at everybody, all because I let the wrath control my life. Satan has great wrath, and he knows that his time is short. Verse number 13, And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman. That's Israel, which brought forth the man-child, and to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and a half time from the face of the serpent. We see number eight, that God will rescue or God will deliver his people. Now it's interesting how God does this during the second half of the tribulation, during those three and a half years, a time, times and a half, three and a half years, is he, he takes Israel and he gives them wings. Now, I don't, I don't believe that it's going to be the whole nation of Israel is going to load up on a plane and he's going to give them wings to fly away. But remember where we saw this three or four weeks ago? I preached about it from Exodus 19, where God says he delivered them from Egypt and he bore them on eagle's wings. 
Remember Isaiah 40, 31? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. So this is not a new concept. And God says, hey, guess what? During the tribulation, I'm going to deliver and I'm going to rescue and I'm going to save my people. I'm going to give them eagles' wings. Now, I don't know what you need today, but friend, you may need some eagles' wings. You may need some help. Well, I've got good news for you. We've got a God who is able to deliver and a God who can rescue and a God who can save his people from their problems. Verse 16, the Bible says, And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. So, again, I don't know for a fact that this is a literal flood. It could be. But Satan is trying to consume. He is trying to destroy Israel. And there, there's a flood that comes out of the dragon's mouth. And God uses the earth to open up. And all of that water that was going to drown Israel, all of that water goes down into the earth. And God's people are saved. You say, well, that sounds like impossible kind of stuff. You're right. And that's the kind of stuff that God can do. And God doesn't limit himself to the tribulation period. God doesn't limit himself to revelation. God can do that today. God can use a flood. God can use an earthquake. God can use whatever he wants to. He could use your boss at work. He could use your next door neighbor. He could use a complete stranger. God is not limited. He can work in any way that he chooses to work. But God will, at the end of the day, you mark it down. God will deliver his people. God will rescue. God will save. He protects his own. And then lastly, number nine, and I'm done with chapter 12. I see that Satan always targets those who keep God's commandments. Now, be very careful how I say this. I don't want, to sound, I don't want it to sound unkind or uncaring or rude. But did you know there are some Christians that do not give the devil a lick of trouble. No, I mean, it's, that's the truth. There are some Christians that the devil is not even nervous about. You know why? Because they have no testimony. Because they don't do what the Bible says. He's got them right where he wants them. But you want to know who the devil's after? He's after those who are doing everything in their power and everything in their ability with the help of God to do what God has called them to do. Those are the ones that Satan fears. And notice verse number 17, and the dragon was wroth. He was angry. By the way, he's still angry today. But he was wroth with the woman. He was wroth with Israel. And he went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God, and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Did you know that when you obey this book right here and you live according to this book, the devil gets nervous. You become a formidable foe to Satan when you say, I am hanging on to this book and I'm going to do what it says. You know why? Because Ephesians 6 tells us that this book right here it's your weapon. It is the sword of the Spirit. It is the Word of God. It is that which is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. 
So you say, well, pastor, are you saying Satan's out to get us? Exactly what I'm saying. Are you saying that the more we live for God, the more he's after us? Exactly what I'm saying. You say, well, shouldn't we be scared about that? No. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And we have the power of the word of God. That same power that Satan trembles when he hears, it is written. Satan can't do anything with that. Now you try to trick Satan with your, 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 your ideas and you try to uh, maneuver with your intellect and you try to figure out your strategy. Satan is not even worried about that. But when you pull out the book, you pull out the good old B-I-B-L-E, that is your victory. And that is my victory over the devil. Yeah, you're a target. Yeah, Satan's out to get you. But let's make sure we are equipped and let's make sure we have the weapon that will always defeat the old devil. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.